Welcome back to the Something Brewing Podcast, episode 45. 45. The Mel, I want you to guess the number episode. What player, All right. What All player right. 145? Think like we were just talking. discussing this. Yeah, we were talking before we started. Um, 45, it, it's got maybe one guy who you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. But it's not a guy that clicks to your mind right away. So mm-hmm. 45, think like 2006 to 2011. That era, that long, five years. Five years. He was here for a while, and he was relatively right. popular. Did he win the Stanley Cup here? Uh, he has a ring. Okay. All right. All right. We are, I, before we recorded, I said. Oh wait. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Doesn't have a ring. Um, let's see. He was a defenseman. All right. All right. Defenseman, he played for like four years here. I already said it's not Dennis Seidenberg because he's 44. I said it before we started recording. The dyslexic part of me would go, oh, Adam McQuaid, but he's 54, not 45. So actually, here's the catcher. So he was on the 2011 team that won the cup, but he was traded. Oh, is it is it Mark Stewart? It's Mark Stewart, baby. Welcome, welcome to the Mark Stewart episode Proudly brought to you in partnership with the BNG Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. As always, you can follow our podcast Twitter account at Something's Bruin. Or, I'm sorry, at Bruin Something. No G Whoa! at the end. Hey, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Most recently retweeted by the one, the only Petrov McGuire. Yeah, Mr. Nick dude, Melanson. I've been, I've been flying on cloud nine all day, baby. There's nothing like getting that Petrov retweet. It does I feel have, good. I've been doing fantastic. Um, another day, another dollar. Tuesday, punched my uh, time card this morning, got off work, and now I'm hitting the pod. Um, this weekend, I'm very excited because I have a three-day weekend coming up. So my roommates are coming up from Connecticut and New York, and we are going to hang out. We're going down the Cape. We're going to the Vineyard on nice. Saturday. Thankfully, finally, dude, I was tweeting all last week about how every day you wake up and it's raining, and it was really starting to piss me off because I hadn't seen the sun in ages. I didn't know what the sun looked like anymore. I I, I I forgot what it felt like to have the warmth of those sun rays shine (laughs) on your skin. And it's horrible, especially because when I work, I work in the basement. So when I come up and I open the door at the end of the day, I, it's, it's, I never know what, if it's going to be light, dark, if it's raining, snowing, sleeting, sunny, I never know what it's going to be. And like, you know, getting out of work and swinging that door open at five and stepping outside and it's raining again was such a drag. But we're finally going to get some sunny weather coming up. It was sunny today. And most importantly, where I was going at was we're going to Martha's Vineyard on Saturday. And if everything stays the same, it's supposed to be sunny and 75. There so it should, be, it should be a good time. But how was your weekend? How has everything been going on with you? Anything new? 
same old, same old, uh, you know, work, work, work. But, but I do have a week's long vacation coming up in two weeks and the girl and I are going to Cancun. So something's Bruins going international. We're going international. We're going international. Have you, have you left the country before? No, this is my first time out of the country. Um, don't think that we're going to be skipping an episode because I will bring this bad boy down to Cancun with me. Let's go! And I will be broadcasting on the balcony, looking out at the beach and just having a great old time. We should have, we should do that entire episode in Spanish. We should. <laughs> Although to be fair, I, I do not know Spanish, but I'll no, give I- it the old college try. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I mean, I should know more. I took college throughout high school and college i mean i took spanish i took i took spanish throughout oh, high school God. yeah you should have took english too Jeez. yeah i know <laughs> huh um but yeah i mean i only know about six or seven words now like i know trabajo i know that's work i know mm. hola. that's Quay Quay Bano, that Quay was there, ingrained, yeah. ingrained into my head whenever i need to take take a break yeah yeah but um yeah anyways enough of the spanish talk let's get into yeah. some Bruins talk um so yeah, mucho. <laughs> um, we're uh, so so obviously off season game five of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Uh, Vegas could close it out. You could see Bruce Cassidy winning a Stanley Cup, Vegas's first cup in their history. I think it's a five year history now. They've been to the Cup twice, Conference Finals once, missed the playoffs one time. If I'm correct, I think it was last season. But I mean, unreal, you know, start to your franchise's history. Yeah, how do you think like? Toronto and Montreal feel knowing that <laughs> Vegas, this is like their sixth year in existence. It's their second Stanley Cup appearance. They're hopefully they're gonna win it tonight. And like Toronto, what's it been like the sixties? There's that whole uh that Twitter account that's dedicated to days since <laughs> the Toronto Maple. They're gonna run out of characters pretty soon. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. and like Montreal, I saw a Canadians fans tweet who was who was going rip shit on Twitter. Somebody quote tweeted, I don't remember who it was, but they were like this is bullshit. Like we're the Montreal Canadians and we can't go to the Stanley cup final. And since the nine, or we haven't won since the nineties and we, we've been once in like the last 15 years or whatever. And this stupid ass team from Vegas, they don't even <laughs> care about hockey and they're in two cups and I got a fight. And it was like, Jesus, like, take a pill, <laughs> relax. They're losing it up there in Canada, but I'm happy for Bruce Cassidy, but I don't know. I, I, I wanted Florida to win. I know I've been, I was kind of been telling of why I want Florida to win, but yeah. watching the Miami Heat lose last night, just it tasted so sweet watching a Florida team lose after that's been shoved on our throats the last couple of weeks that Florida's like the new sports capital of the world. That now I'm piling on the Vegas train, maybe. Send these, these rat kings packing, and I want Bruce Cassidy to win his first Stanley Cup. Yeah, honestly, if, if there's any fans out there that are still kind of salty about Bruce basically winning the cup already, we can I think we can have that discussion safely. I think Vegas has this in the bag. But, I mean, you can't be salty. You should be happy for him. He spent six years here. He spent even more years down in Providence, too, with the organization. Good coach, good guy. Everybody loved him when he was here. Just because he's gone now doesn't mean that you have to resent the fact that he's probably going to become a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, and for what it's worth, too, I mean, he's – he has, I, th- I think he has every right to be pissed off at the Bruins. And oh, maybe, yeah. maybe it helps that he landed in such a fantastic situation. Of course, he's about to win a Stanley Cup, but he's had nothing but positive things to say about the Bruins since he left. Like he could have, like he could have, you know, said, yeah, my time was nice over there, but, you know, 
some stuff happened and I had to go. Like he could have aired out some dirty laundry that's been kept under wraps regarding his relationship with DeBrusque or Bergeron or Krejci or whoever it might be, but he's done none of that. And, you know, I, I didn't expect him to, but he very well could have could have taken that route. So I don't know. I'm happy for the guy. But I do wonder, you know, if all the success that he had in Boston and his voice got stale here, and, you know, it makes me wonder how long until his voice gets stale in Vegas as well. Well, Vegas has a short coaching carousel, too. They're like a new coach every two or three seasons. Yeah, which is, but you know, I mean, if if Bruce does win a cup, I doubt he cares if he gets canned. Like, oh, yeah. He'll have that shiny <laughs> ring in his finger. I did see an article, too, that shut up my dad because he sent it to me that um, I think it was last summer how uh, Jack Eichel was down the Cape. And uh, Bruce Cassidy was trying to recruit him to Vegas to want to come out there. So he like pulled up at some like coffee shop or something and he met with Jack Eichel and they were talking about Vegas. And there was some kid there who who recognized Jack Eichel right away and took a picture. And I guess he didn't even recognize Bruce Cassidy. Cassidy had to walk up. and He's like, hi, I'm Bruce Cassidy, former coach of the Boston Bruins. And the kid was like, oh, my God. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool. And it was weird to think that, you know, Vegas is in the Stanley Cup finals. You have Jack Eichel who could win the Conn Smythe, Bruce Cassidy, who's their coach now, who's, you know, doing everything right, pushing all the right buttons over there. And just, you know, over the summer, those two guys were here linking up and uh, down the Cape talking about, you know, what could become what could become of this year and it's just weird to think about you know but i'm yeah. still happy for the guy yeah no it's it's really weird to think about but um yeah it would be nice to see him win a cup but so today on twitter um obviously because it's the off season uh we don't have too much to talk about so it's i thought it would be best to field some questions online uh, put up some polls, have everybody respond to it who who wanted to and put their opinion in and we'll discuss it on the pod so this is the Twitter field question segment. So the first question that I put out there, um, it was regarding Brad Marchand. So the, the question that was relayed was, if Bergeron and Krejci retire, do you explore a Brad Marchand trade? Um, the two options obviously were yes and no. <laughs> so <laughs> there were there were a total of 480 votes. 27% said yes, trade him. Um, no, he should retire as a Bruin. And I, I should preface to the yes um, response. Little Bar said yes, sad, but yes. <laughs> so I think that about sums up the feeling. I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it before. And I, I think it's it's – the question isn't just, you know, cut and dry. Would you trade him? Yes or no. But it, it's it's more of like if these things happen, if Bergeron retires, if Krejci retires, if you have to make some cap casualties and you're looking at your team next year, then I think you could make a reasonable um, not request. But then I think it would be it would make more sense to entertain the idea of trading Brad Marchand. But looking at the state of the team now, like if Bergeron comes back. And I know you had uh, a not so hot take that the Bruins might be better off if Krejci doesn't return. So if Bergeron comes back and whatever happens with Krejci happens and you're able to bring Bertuzzi back, then I don't think there's a shot in hell that you're getting rid of Marshawn because they're not going to trade him just, you know, so they can fit these other contracts. And like, he's a core player of this team. 
but um, I, I think I voted. I voted yes, sad, but yes, because I think that the Bruins are going to have some some hard uh, questions coming up in terms of how they can have the most competitive team, not just for this for next season, which is important, but for the seasons moving forward. Um, but what do you think? I don't. I know you can't. I don't think you can vote on your own poll. But where were you standing with trading Marshawn? With the contingency that Bergeron and Krejci both don't come back, I think you do it because. It's gonna it's gonna be one move in trading Brad Marsh Brad Marshawn that's gonna be a domino effect on other moves as well. So if you trade Brad Marshawn, you're likely going to be moving other pieces as well to Cyber Tuesday. So then what you're gonna have is DeBrusque, and then you could slide, I don't know, Bertuzzi. Uh, you would be you would have to mix up the lines, but essentially Bertuzzi fills in that left wing spot that Brad Marshawn would leave. Not saying that Bertuzzi would excel at a first line role, but it's a move that, you know, would help keep Bertuzzi here long term. And in return, that helps the team's success, you know, uh, extend a little longer into the future. Then you can make moves about center. Um, you can make a decision on Taylor Hall. I know it's kind of ultimately up to him because he has that no movement. But if you're able to, offload that contract then you also i mean you still have zaka as well you you have depth on your roster already i think the bruins are in a spot right now where they have enough depth that they're gonna they are they're gonna have to get creative and they're gonna start moving pieces and some might hurt a lot and i just think that it's a it's a viable option now, do you think that moving brad marshall would be more of a do you think that's like a waving the white flag on the season, no. or do you think moving Brad Marchand would be more so to keep this roster competitive next year and moving forward? I think it would help to keep the roster competitive. You still have guys. I mean, Marchand is aging. He's he. We all know he got double hip surgery. His value is pretty much, you know, it's not going to get any higher than it is right now. Um, you need to clear a cap. I, I don't think it's waving the white flag at all. I think it's. It's um, the front office showing confidence in the roster that they have here already that they can afford to lose a guy like Brad Marchand and then bring in pieces, you know, returning back to Boston that can not only help you now, but also in the future. Yeah. And I think that's the important part, too, is exactly what you would get for Brad Marchand, because I saw <clears throat> I saw Mark tweet about or tweet it in the reply to this. And I think I saw Ethan tweet it as well. But on the flip side, but like Marshawn still yes. is he's still a productive player, even though he came off double hip surgeries. He was still about a point per game player last year. Um, he played he had what, 10 points through the seven games he played in the first round of the playoffs. He's got two more years under contract on a, on a friendly deal too. He's making a little over six per like you would think. And for a, a former Stanley cup champion, a veteran who knows what it takes to win, you would think that you could get a lot for a guy like that. So I think even regardless of if you need to move him or not, it might be worth kicking tires on that guy. Cause I hate to say it, but I don't know if I'm alone on this too, but I've, I've always, it, kind of hated the idea of holding on to guys just so they can retire with your team. I've always been like, if you can get, if, if your team, if things are falling off the rails and you can get something for this guy, then trade him. And I'm not saying that that's what the Bruins are doing right now. I think that they still have a lot of good hockey ahead of them, but I wouldn't want to hold on to a guy past his expiration date just so you can hang his number in the rafters. Brad Marchand, his 63 is probably going to be in the rafters regardless of if he's traded or not. And right. if he, he's, if not, he's pretty damn close. 
Um, so like trading Brad Marshawn wouldn't just, you know, put a, a black stroke of the pen through everything he did when he was in Boston. No, like it's I think that there's something to be said in like holding on to a player who's past their prime and and having them retire the team. Again, I'm not saying that's Brad Marshawn at all. He's still a productive player. I just went through why I think you can still get something for him. But that's just how I feel about situations. I think it's a bit of a of a of a tricky area. But Brad Marshawn too is so important to this team. He's yeah. been wearing the A the last couple of years. And like I think we mentioned to this too a couple episodes ago. If Bergeron leaves, if Krejci leaves, and if you lose Marshawn, not only are you losing the core of this team that's been here for the last, you know, decade and a half, but you're losing three massive leaders in that locker room. And what Brad Marshawn brings, it's not just on the ice, but in that locker room too. Like you would really be losing a lot if you traded Brad Marshawn. And not even just just like in the locker room with the players, but with the media too, he's been great in interviews. He's, he's always like so thoughtful um, with like kids who come to visit the locker room. It seems like every video I see on Twitter of like a child or of a family interacting with the Bruins, it's always Brad Marshawn. Like he's always yeah. the one running out, signing stuff, you know, giving high fives, giving kids tour of the locker room. So that part of Marshawn too, I think is really important because he's so much more than just your favorite player in the Bruins. Like he means everything to this franchise. Well, that's what I was going to mention, too, because Ethan did respond um, in the opposite side of the spectrum, where he was saying that trading Brad Marchand isn't just trading the player. You have to remember that he's part of the culture. He's a huge locker room guy. He's a giant influence on the team in general. Um, so you do have to consider that. You know, he's one of your older guys. He grew up in the era of he grew up he played in the era <laughs> he played in the era of chara bergeron Krejci, played with mark recchi johnny boychuk mcquade guys like that tim thomas you know he he's part of that group so if you do lose him i mean outside of bergeron and and i guess you can mention Krejci too just due to the fact that i think he doesn't have as big of an impact as he used to but Outside of those two guys, is there anybody left on this roster who was part of that core group of players? No, no. And I think that's that's important, too. Like like some of these guys, too, like, you know, you get to the end with like Bergeron and Krejci and, and Marshawn and like you want them to retire a Bruin and like the Bruins moving forward. If you remove those three guys from uh, this team and they're unable to sign some of these UFAs they have moving forward. Like they're not going to be a lot of fun to watch. Right. So like, like part of me would be like, Oh man, like Bergeron's the only exception. I would never trade Bergeron for anybody, but part of me would be like, well, if you could trade Marshawn now and get value for him, like what if, if you're in this situation again, two or three years down the road and Marshawn's 37 and you know, I know his deal's done by then, but who knows what, if you're looking to move him, then you can get a lot more for him now than you could then. But I know that's, you know, creating a problem that doesn't exist yet. But it's just, I don't know. I've always been a firm believer on like maximizing the value that you have of your players. And I it all comes back to I just don't want Marshawn to be traded as a cap casualty because that is so unfair to him and to everything yeah. he's done. Like, don't just send him out of here so you could say, good, now we have six million dollars to give to Bertuzzi. Like I, that's that's not like I just think that's like a big way to say like F you to everything he's done here. Like if you're moving Marshawn, I want pieces back. I don't want yeah. him to be moved just so you can then use that money and spend it elsewhere. It's, it, it's like you said, if you wait, then his value is just, you're not going to be able to get anything relatively good for him. Like what you said, like at age, like 37 season, I think if it got to that point, then you would see a return like Chicago got for Patrick Kane, like uh, a second round pick 
Um, if and that would become a first round pick if the Rangers reached the Eastern Conference final. I think that was the condition on the pick. Um, and a fourth round pick, and then a, a no name prospect. Like that would be the return you would get for Marshawn down the line if you wait. And that would that would sting too. I mean, obviously, either way, if you lose him in any way, it would hurt. But it it would also signal the end of the era for sure, hundred mm-hmm. percent. The er- that era of Bruins hockey is over. If you trade Brad Marshawn, you're it's all completely different team with completely different faces um, that you know are recognizable with the brand. Those guys would be McAvoy and Pasternak, maybe Lindholm and Swayman. And yeah. then that that's your new nucleus, essentially. And 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 it's it's kind of like weird to think that of like, you know, because like, I mean, we Bergeron was a rookie in what, 2000 and he was drafted in 03. Yeah. And like, I mean, I was like, well, I was in like kindergarten in 04. So like my whole <laughs> life as a Bruins fan has been Bergeron and Krejci. Like Marshawn came in as a rookie and won the Stanley Cup. The, the years that Sagan was here before he, he you know, slept through team breakfast, like all like all that shit. And it's just weird to think that like we would have nobody left, but it's it wouldn't be like Marshawn is traded and, you know, Bergeron and Krejci retire and the Bruins are just left with like no culture. Like Chicago, right, they right. lost Kane, they lost Taves and they, you know, the first overall pick fell in their lap, but they don't have Bedard on their team yet. So like right now, I mean, they have like no culture like th- those guys aren't there anymore but for the Bruins these guys if if they're leaving in the next couple of years like you still have Charlie McAvoy who's like I know he's a young guy he's like 26 27 he's in like his fifth or sixth year in the NHL I mean he's a veteran he's been to a Stanley Cup final he's been to conference finals you still have Pasternak who is an M- a heart finalist theory a 60 goal scorer so it's not like you would just be left with nothing and right. like these guys too like like uh Pasta and uh, McAvoy are like 26 years old. I mean, they're going to be your glue guys, your culture guys for the next decade. Hampus Lindholm, if you want to include him, he's still under the age of 30. Even, you know, it was weird not not seeing or not thinking about Tuka Rask getting a start this year, but it it hit like week two and he didn't even really think about him because you had two goalies who were playing like they're from a a different planet. And like, that's kind of going to be important moving forward because I don't know what the hell is going on with Olmark, if he's going to get moved or not. But either way, you're going to have one of him or Swain as your franchise goalie moving forward. I feel good about both of them. You still have your heart winner and or your heart nominee or 60-goal scorer in pasta, and you still have this guy who everybody is saying, if Bergeron loses the C, who's the next captain? Charlie McAvoy. Like You still have all these important pieces moving forward. So I think that definitely helps if you're going to be losing Bergeron Krejci and entertaining the idea of moving Marshawn. But either way, it's it's such a difficult call to make. And not only that, you know, not only the fact that you have those guys that you just mentioned, Pasa, McAvoy, Swayman, Allmark, Lindholm. Connor Clifton. DeBrus, Connor Clifton. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not only do you have those guys, but you also have a couple of young guys coming up too. Guys like John Beecher, guys like, I mean, Jacob Lauko, he's ready. I I can't wait to watch a full season of Lauko. Yeah, me too. Um, You got Fabian Frederick with bigger minutes too. Yeah, he is a free agent though. They, so they're um, going to have to sign him, yeah. They're going to bring him back. They, they got him. It. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you got these guys, Beecher, Lysel, Lorai, uh, Merkulov, who every day his hype gets a little bit bigger. And a lot <laughs> of people are going to see that um, come the preseason when he's playing 
you know, big minutes and really trying to make an impression on the team because I think he legit has a shot. So that kind of transitions us into the second um, Twitter field question. And this one was regarding four younger players and who we're most excited for. So the question was, of the four prospect players listed on the poll, who do you expect to make the biggest impact next season and why? It got 167 votes. Um, the options were Georgi Merkulov, Mark McLaughlin, Mason Lorai, or Fabian Lysel. Now, the percentages of these options. Mark McLaughlin, 18%. Georgi Merkulov, 32%. Mason Lorai, 38%. And Fabian Lysel was at 12%. So it seems like the hype around Fabian Lysel is going down a little bit. Maybe, maybe enough people out there realize that he's not he's probably not going to be in the lineup next year just based on his, his lack of strength, honestly, and his, and his durability. You know, when I saw the results of this, my first thought wasn't that the hype around Fabian Lysel is dying. It was more so that the hype around Mason Lorai and Georgi Merkulov is growing. All I've been seeing on Twitter the last month or so is this Merkulov guy. I mean, people are raving about this kid and what he's doing. And of course, Mason Lorai, I mean, the season that he had playing for Ohio State and as well as he played in the, uh, the college hockey championships, despite, of course, losing to the eventual national champion, Quinnipiac University Bobcats. <laughs> my Quinnipiac Bobcats. Um, and he's going to have an opportunity to play next year, especially, I mean, we, we've been talking about some of these almost no-brainers of who to move to clear some cap. Obviously, Mike Riley, who's a defenseman who wasn't getting top six minutes last year anyways. Uh, we A lot of people have been mentioning Derek Forbert. That would free up, what, $3 million. People have been throwing out Matt Grizzlick's name out there. I mean, these are three defensemen being moved, and no matter really how you chop it up, Mason Lorai should get an opportunity to get some minutes next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that gets me excited about Mason Lorai. And also the, the the defenseman culture of the Boston Bruins is so strong. And it's always so exciting when one of these new, you know, defenseman phenoms, names you've been hearing about for a while is coming over. And I'm not saying that Mason Lorai is going to be like the next Charlie McAvoy, but I'm just saying he's an exciting player and you should be excited to see him next year. But Georgie Merkulov, I don't know much about him other than what people have been tweeting about him, ranting and raving on Twitter about his play. So what do you know about Georgie Merkulov and what impact do you think he can have next year? Well, Georgi Merkulov, just we'll do a little quick recap about the player. So he's doo, 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 trying to find his height and weight really quick. Um, Georgi Merkulov is 5'10", 163 pounds. He's 22 years old. <sighs> Lefty shot. Now, he's he also had, I think he had 55 points in 63 games with Providence this season. And his biggest knock coming into the year was his two-way game. People said, you know, his defensive, his offensive game and his creativity with the puck is insane. Like, it's at pro level already. But his defensive game and his play in the defensive zone was lacking. So, basically, this year in Providence, what you were looking at of, of Merkulov was for him to be better defensively but not lose any of his scoring touch, which, I mean, he kind of went off for Providence. And he was he was good in the defensive end, um, and he's becoming more reliable. And I he's going to get a big look this preseason for sure. Is he what is he? A, is he a winger or a center? Um, do do do. Merkulov is a center. Oh, 
Hey, yep. that's that's what the Bruins could need moving forward as a center too. Talk about good timing. Right, right. Now, what about that guy, that Finnish guy that they didn't end up signing? What happened with that? Uh, I'm not sure who Weisman, the defenseman. Uh, I don't know the guy who was like a oh. pick by the Bruins oh. or whatever, and they didn't sign him by the deadline, so now he's a UFA. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal about that was. It was really weird that they didn't sign him, and I wish I could remember his name, but it's escaping me right now. You'd think you'd want to give a flyer on a guy like that. I mean, why not? Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so Georgi Merkulov, he's definitely a name that everybody should get familiar with. If you if you know, if you want, go on YouTube, look up some highlights for him. He's, he's impressive. He's very good. And, and it's going to be very interesting to watch him in the preseason just to see how he can how he can skate with these guys. He's another Ohio State guy, too, just like Mason Lorai. Right. So that's the other thing, too. Mason Lorai. So he he actually got the most votes in this poll. He was at 38%. If you can slot him into a role with a guy like Carlo or a guy like maybe McAvoy, I don't know, two college guys, it's it's interesting. And there's definitely room for him to take a spot up there in that top six defensive role, depending on his play and if he's really truly ready or not yet. Yeah, that's going to be exciting too. I'm just looking at his uh, his uh, his stats in college hockey. 6'4", 2042. I remember him distinctly um, in some of those games he was playing. His vision, like his passing vision, the way that he walks the blue line is elite. It looked yeah. incredible what he was doing in college. And I'm excited to see what he can do in, uh, in Providence and what he can do when he gets minutes with the big club because he can be a serious piece for them moving forwards. And it's funny, too, thinking about adding Macy Lorai to the mix because, like, last year the Bruins were an embarrassment of riches on the defensive end. And okay. now you're seeing, like, like this Bruins defensive core is 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 young, too. I mean, if Mason Lorai, if he pans out to who they think he can be, I mean, he's only 22. You got Charlie McAvoy, he's, like, 26. Uh, Hampus Lindholm's, what, like, 28, 29? Yeah. I mean, you've got some pieces moving forward, and I know it, it stinks you have some UFAs in this team, but to have some of these guys, because uh, I've always been a firm believer in you build it from the goalie out. Start at the goalie. you got to get good defense. doesn't matter. You could have a team full of McDavid. That might be a little different team full of McDavid's, but you could have a, <laughs> <laughs> you could have a team full of great centers and forwards. If your defense sucks, you're not going to win shit. That's mm-hmm. basically been the Edmonton experience for the last 10 years up until a couple of years ago when they finally invested in their defensive unit. But um, no, it's exciting. I know that there were some questions about Mason Lorai, if he was going to come over, if he was going to go back to college. And I know that the the contract that he signed with the Bruins right off the bat was uh, almost like a, like a one foot in one foot out kind of contract. He could still go back to college if he wanted to. And I'm so happy that he decided to stay uh, and go pro. Cause this guy can seriously be a difference maker for the Bruins moving forward. Yeah. I mean, just this season with the big 10 up with the Ohio state Buckeyes, I mean, he played 40 games. He had 32 points. That's a defenseman. Yeah. That's a defenseman. That's crazy. Um, and it's just too bad that it couldn't carry over into the playoffs where they ran into the Quinnipiac Bobcats who beat them <laughs> on their way to winning the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, this is a Bobcat friendly podcast, <laughs> but um, yeah. How about Mark McLaughlin, though? So Mark McLaughlin, um, let's see here. I want to just get the percentage of votes that he received on that. He got Mark 18. Ma- Mark McLaughlin got 18% of the votes. Um, do you see a role for him in the bottom six? Uh, 
Oh, definitely. And I think he would have, I think he could have had a bottom six role this year if it wasn't for the emergence of a lot of these guys. I know he, people were really excited about him towards the end of last year and, and like preseason this year. I know there was some Mark McLaughlin hype, but um, I don't know if it was AJ Greer, the way that he played in the preseason, that kind of took some minutes away for that uh, Mark McLaughlin could have got in that bottom six. And I know McLaughlin struggled in Providence uh, yeah. this year. So I don't know if that contributed to it, but he's still a young guy. And I think that, um, if you're going to be making some moves with, you know, wingers, if you're, if you're moving some guys around, whether it be trading Taylor Hall or like we were just talking about Marshawn, you have some spots open up in your bottom six. I think it's worth giving McLaughlin a shot and see what he can do. Now I, I would be in the same boat as you, but with the emergence of Merkulov, I don't know if there's a spot for him on the roster because say you get Bergeron back, right? So say you get Bergeron back, you know, Bergeron, Marshawn, DeBrusque, second line, say Krejci doesn't come back. Krejci doesn't come back. Then you got Zaka, Taylor Hall. No, sorry. You got Zaka Bertuzzi, David Pasternak. Third line, Coyle. Wait, who's the first line? Oh, sorry. Keep going. DeBrusque. Yeah. Third line, you would go with some combination of like Coyle, Hall if he's still here, and then plug in the right wing. Felino if he signs back. Uh, Trent Frederick, if if we can maintain his contract. Then the fourth line, that's where it gets interesting. That's where you can have a kid line. That's when you can have a line of, say, a number of, you know, Merkulov, Beecher, McLaughlin. Uh, right wing, left wing, A.J. Greer, uh, you know, guys like this who can come up and kind of filter in that role on the wing side. But I think center-wise, if Bergeron comes back, you already have Zaka there for your second C if Krejci decides not to. You got Coyle there for your third C. And then it's just a kind of a carousel on that fourth until we find the right thing that fits and works. You wouldn't want to put McLaughlin at wing? You could try it. You could definitely try it. Yeah, then, no, I I think you're right. I think I think if, if it's between McLaughlin and Merkulov for that fourth line center, I think I would prefer Merkulov because just because he has a higher ceiling. I think he can be a based off of what you said and what I've been seeing, I mean, I think he's a guy who can really be a, a difference maker at the center position moving forward if everything goes right. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't think Taylor Hall is going to be here next year. And I think that, and I think that if that's the case and you can, I don't know, bump one of those third line guys up to a fourth line wing, and then I would be okay moving McLaughlin to wing, but I don't know, man. There's going to be some I, – I really like the idea of a kid line. I think that would be really fun. I know we were talking about it at the end of the regular season, having a kid line for like the last week of the season just to see how they would do because I thought it would be it would be great for experience and they didn't do it. But um, I think that would be a lot of fun next year. But uh, you mentioned John Beecher. What has he yeah. been up to? Because I noticed that he wasn't one of the four names you put on this list. Yeah, John Beecher, um, he's very – he's – a big body and he's very, very fast. Um, in my opinion, I think his ceiling is somewhat similar to Charlie Coyle. Charlie Coyle's puck possession is definitely a little bit better, but that obviously can grow with Beecher's game as he progresses through his career. But uh, John Beecher, he's a, da, 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 da. he played for Michigan with that super stack team. He's, he can play left wing. He's mainly a center. He's six, three, two Oh nine dude. He's a big dog. He's a big big guy. And I think that's a perfect build for, you know, a bottom six role. And I think that's kind of the 
game that he plays a little bit grimy, a little bit gritty. He uses his body, obviously, to gain position on people because he's got that gigantic mammoth frame. Uh, but, I mean, 23 points in 61 games this year, you would like to see more production. But every every year he's ticking up. Last year he played nine games in the AHL. He got five points. Um, NCAA, he never eclipsed 15 points, but the most amount of games he ever played was 34. He he he. I don't know. I could project him to be a, a third line center kind of guy, very similar to Coyle, maybe like 40 to 50 points max a season at his best. All right. I mean, I don't know if that's worth a first round pick on where the Bruins selected him, but that's an everyday. You know what? At number 30, it might be. If that's an everyday that's- NHL player in your third line, I'll take that. I do think it's kind of funny, though, looking back at his numbers since 2017, 2018, when he played on the on the U.S. under 17 team. You know, he has never in his life scored double digits <laughs> never he's had nine goals four times <laughs> he's never once hit the 10 goal mark well, he's, but he's, a guy too. he's a guy too is he not sound defensively as well because i remember when he was drafted i thought that they were doing like comparisons to a poor man's bergeron which i thought was ridiculous back at the time it was probably just because of bruin selected him but um i thought i remembered that he was a good defensive center when he was at michigan yeah um, he's, let's see here. Uh, he is more defensive oriented, which is why you don't see the production being a main <laughs> focus in his game. Um, but d- d- John Beecher in the AHL this season, um, let's see. He, yeah, 23 points. He was a plus nine, 38 PIMS. um, took 76 shots shooting at an 11.8 shooting percentage. It's honestly pretty good so yeah his game is definitely more oriented around the defensive aspect rather than producing offense consistently yeah i mean that's exciting i mean every team needs guys like that and uh i like the idea now that fourth line you've been talking into it who john beecher merkulov and did you say lauko Yes, yeah, Lauko, because Lauko is definitely in this lineup. Lauko could also be a third-line player, too. Oh, yeah, you know Lauko is going to be out there just drawing penalties and pissing people off. Yeah. And I love it. Dude, I'm about to just get myself a Jacob Lauko jersey, to be honest. You should. Did you see AJ Greer's Instagram story today? Yeah, him walking out of the tunnel. Yeah, do you think there was a cryptic message behind that? If I'm being honest, I think AJ Greer is sitting on his couch at home, missing the boys and missing playing hockey. <laughs> and it was just—it was one of those moments. He's like, "Damn, that was really fun. I'm gonna post this." <laughs> Maybe he was watching his preseason highlights. It was like, "Oh man, what what happened to my game? Why, why, why can't I play like that all the time? <laughs> yeah, who is this man? And what did he do? He stole my game." <laughs> yeah dude i don't think there was any message maybe maybe he's i really just think he was just like missing the boys because he's big on instagram he's always like live streaming the music that he's making he i know he games on twitch sometimes uh, oh yeah so do we yeah yeah, yeah we're we, <laughs> us and aj greer are one and the same we should um, have him join our team but oh, oh my god you know how cool that would be but awesome. uh the, the the third and final um twitter field question that i asked was and I think this was this was definitely the most obvious um, answer, and it was very evident in the poll percentages. But the question was, of the deadline acquisitions, Bertuzzi, Orlov, and Hathaway, who is priority number one, and explain why. So the options, obviously, I just ran through them, Bert, Orlov, Hathaway. There were 311 votes. Garnet Hathaway got 4%. Dimitri Orlov got 8%. 
and the remaining 88% went to Tyler Bertuzzi. Now, we kind of we talked about it earlier, too, with the Bertuzzi and Pasternak connection. We didn't get too deep into it, but obviously this team in the front office and the organization wants to keep Tyler Bertuzzi here. It's just a matter of salary cap, you know, twisting where where you can make it work because right now as a team as it is you you absolutely cannot pay tyler (laughs) if if anything you like no it's just not happening you need to make moves yeah and uh the good news like like real moves hard moves the good news is though is that the bruins have a couple of scrubs making non-scrub money Right. Which helps right. if in re-signing Tyler Bertuzzi. But you're right, and that's where all of these hard uh, decisions come back that we were talking about earlier and, and who you're going to move and you know what you can get for him. But um, I think a lot of people, myself included, if you had posed this question two weeks after the trade deadline, I would have said Orlov in a heartbeat. Yeah. Bobby Skorlov, I mean, there was no way the level of play that he was playing at would be consistent, but – what he was bringing to that team, even though it seemed like they didn't need it because they were like freaking 55 and four at the trade deadline or whatever the hell the Bruins were. That's a guy who had, you know, uh, he's been around. I don't believe he was part of that Washington team that won the Stanley cup. I think that that was, uh, or yes. was he? Yes, he, he was. was. Cause I, yeah, cause Garnet Hathaway wasn't. So he Stanley cup pedigree, another defenseman to add to the system, good puck mover. And he was scoring like every single freaking game he played in. Um, but man, Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, we've talked about it before. Even when he wasn't scoring, when he didn't have eyes in the back of his head and was swinging passes through the zone, like right on the tape on the back door it was beautiful. He was still being effective out there, whether it be drawing penalties, sticking up for his teammates, getting under players' skin. And that's important. And if you're gonna if you're talking about maybe losing a guy like Brad Marchand and everything that he brings, one of the things that Brad Marchand brings is he's a massive asshole. He's a prick <laughs> on the ice, and he pisses people off. And Tyler Bertuzzi, not to say that it's like passing the torch from Marchand to Bertuzzi, but you would have a similar similar style player in the sense that they're both like under five foot five, and they piss people off. And if you can tap into that Tyler Bertuzzi that was in Detroit when he had those back-to-back 30-goal seasons playing with a bunch of scrubs. If you put him on a line with David Posnock, his opposite wing, who knows what he could do? And just the thought of that, of of the flashes that we saw of the two of them playing together in the playoffs and at the end of the season, everybody is saying, I know you've been pounding the drum for this. I want to see more of that. I think it's worth moving whatever you have to move to lock up Tyler Bertuzzi long term. Um and and from what I've been hearing, it seems like he's more than open to staying here too, which I think is really promising uh for getting a deal that both sides like moving forward. Yeah. If you can somehow make it work where you get Tyler Bertuzzi and David Pasternak for an entire 82 game season oh my God. The amount of highlights that are going to come out of those two alone yeah, the only thing though that does worry me a little bit is Tyler Bertuzzi's injuries because yes. and it's and it's not like he's like you know a baby and he's a, he's you know getting injured all the time because he's flopping and diving. The guy just plays so freaking hard. We mentioned it before. The guy broke both of his hands last year or maybe the year before. How do you even do that? How do you break both of your hands? And uh, just the, the style of hockey that he plays because he's so gritty because he's finishing all of his checks because he's blocking shots. He gets hurt. And uh, you would hope that that doesn't turn into any long-term 
injuries, whether it be, I don't know, uh, a lower body injury, whatever it might be. But I think if you're, if you're shelling out, you know, what do you think he's going to get? Like six mil more than that? Maybe somewhere between five and a half and six. That's where I would guess. But I mean, like, like you said, like with his injury history, so he's played seven seasons in the NHL, right? If counting, you know, obviously little injuries happen. Most players don't play a full 82 game schedule. Tyler Bertuzzi has never played a full season. His most amount of games played was 2018, 2019, where he put in 73. That's a good load. Um, 2019, 2020, he played 71 games. Uh, another one, another good load. He, you know, he wasn't he wasn't putting in just the tip on this one. <laughs> that famous shirt. But um, so in total, 574 potential games. He's played 326 career games. So injury history is definitely a concern there, which is probably why he won't make upwards of six and a half mil. Because because when you're offering a contract, you have to take that into, into consideration. But when he's on, he's on. And when he's healthy, he's a player. So you look at the production, too, from this season. He played 29 games with Detroit. He had 14 points at them. He played 21 games with us, and he had 16. 12 assists, by the way. Probably all the David Pasternak. Yeah, I would love to see them play together moving forward. Oh my god! And and I mean, David Pasternak had sixty-one goals this year. Um, and imagine if he had Tyler Bertuzzi's vision on the opposite wing as him, slinging yeah. pad. And plus two, I mean, Krejci missed some time too. If you had, I mean, Zaka is is a rock too. He's relatively healthy. If you had a consistent those three guys playing together on the same line for eighty-two games, that's exciting. That's a um, good line. Yeah, but, we so so before we do that, um, I know we kind of went through why we wouldn't want Orlov, but why wouldn't you want Hathaway? Because he just didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah. like I don't know, and it's and maybe it's unfair to him because when he was coming over, I was like, oh, nice, we got a third line winger. Like I thought he would get some goals here and there, he would pick up some points, he would piss some people off, but he'd like he just didn't really do anything. Like, I can't really remember any, any play that he made other than like, did he, he, he screamed at some goalie and he got in fights, some scrums around the net, which is nice, which is, you know, (laughs) what his role is. But I don't know. Like if you can only have one of the three, like, are you kidding me? Would I rather have a 27 year old or 28 year old Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, a former Stanley cup champion, Dimitri Orlov or Garnet Hathaway from <laughs> Maine, the the thing that they they throw at every 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 uh, game he plays. Oh, the group of Bruins fan from Maine, Garnet Hathaway. It's just <laughs> it's it's nothing against a player. I think he does his role well, um, but you know, for a trade deadline acquisition and and moving forward, if you can only have one of the three, I mean, it's not even a question. Did anybody even vote Garnet Hathaway? He, some some people did. He got four percent, but they must have accidentally pressed it because. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, too, it's like he's going to be playing a bottom six role. Would you rather spend that money on Garnet Hathaway, or would you rather trust the youth that you've built up over the years, aka Mark McLaughlin, Jacob Lauko, um, John Beecher, guys like that, guys who can potentially come in and fill the role that you already have. Yeah, exactly. I would much rather trust the youth. And just looking at Garnet Hathaway, too, when he was on Washington this year, he played 59 games, had nine goals and 16 assists or 16 points. With the Bruins, he played 25 games. He had six points and he was a minus one. Yeah. Um, so he like he really didn't he really didn't do anything. 
And like yeah. no no knock against Garden Hathaway. Like he's he knows his role and he does it well. He's a grinder guy. He can he can occasionally bag some goals. He had 14 back in 2021, but that's just it's not fair to him comparing him to Dmitry Orlov and Tyler Bertuzzi because other than the the four percent of people who voted for him, I don't think anybody is like begging the Bruins to pick Garnet Hathaway to return next year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, did you want to bring something up? Yeah, I was gonna say we also tweeted from our uh something's brewing Twitter account today. Uh we said we want to hear from you with the new finger point emoji, which I <laughs> which I love using. Put yourself in Don Sweeney's shoes. What would be your perfect offseason to ensure that the Bruins are battling for a Stanley Cup next year and key inclusion beyond? Let us know below. I just wanted to quickly roll through what some people said. First, of course, I will hit you. You tweeted, first you have to offload some cap and exchange older assets for younger ones. Also, trust the youth, which is what you're kind of just saying with this uh, kids line, the fourth line center moving forward. I guess I'll throw my tweet in here too. I said it all starts with changing changing Blade's name to Beans and then, of course, doing (laughs) some cap gymnastics. We had Jason from Florida said, look for bargain basement depth with potential high upside Monahan, Monta, and integrate some young guys into the lineup. Offload money, Riley Forbert, and a hockey trader too. What do you think about Monahan and Monta? Um, Monahan would be – I would be okay if they bring Monahan here on a flyer, but it couldn't be for too much money. I mean, Sean Monahan as a whole, obviously he had a lot of hype coming into his career i think he was he had a, top, a good rookie year didn't he yeah i'm pretty sure he was a top five or a top 10 pick was he was uh, he the one who was traded for uh is it svechnikov who's the defenseman in, in uh tampa chernak no wasn't um, he traded from montreal so like oh no sorry i'm thinking of somebody else Cal- Calgary. Calgary. who am i thinking of i'm not sure i actually don't know what that trade was but he, his career high in points came in 2018-2019. He had 82 points um, with Calgary. Sergachev, I'm an idiot, sorry. Maybe, oh, maybe. Yeah, but 30, 34 points, 48 assists. But since then, he's fallen off a cliff. Uh, 48 points the next season, 28 points the season after that, 23 points the season after that, and then last year, 17 points. But he, did, he had 17 points in 25 games. Like, that's pretty good production. If... You can get him over here. I don't see why not. You would just have to be wary on how much you spend and how much, mm. you know, what, what it costs to get him here. Um, and, and he wasn't top five. He was top ten. He was um, sixth overall. Damn. Yeah, no, I, I was confusing him with uh, when Jonathan Druin was traded for Sergachev. I because I used to always get Sean Monahan and Jonathan Druin on my hut teams in NHL because they're disgusting for no reason. Them and now yeah. Yakov, and I would always yeah. mix the two of them up. Um, we also had P three four Jake said, offload Riley and Forbert, resign Bertuzzi in your RFAs. Talk to your young guys and explain that they're going to be heavily relied upon to pick up the mantle and start the next generation of Bruins hockey. Yeah, I like that, I, and then. I, I was just going to say, I think Mike Riley is a buyout of like for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, they've been, they've been calling up, they've been calling up teams in the freaking KHL asking someone to please. <laughs> and nobody's answering the phone. We also had what's ruined tweeted back and said out 
Hall, Riley, Forbert, Grizzlick, potentially all market for really up against it. Resign Bertuzzi, Bergeron, Frederick, Swayman, Lauko, and Clifton, and call up Merkulov, Lysel, Beecher, and Lorai, which is what we were just talking about. Only one I disagree with is Lysel. That's the only one. Yeah, I agree too. Um, and then if you want to hear their hypothetical lines, first line, Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque. Pretty good. I think that's what everybody expects if Bergeron comes back. Second line, Bertuzzi, Zaka, and Poshnok. Absolute electric factory if they, can, make it, if they yeah. can stay healthy all year. Top six is set. Third line, this is where we see Lysel. He says Lysel, Coyle, and Frederick. Interesting. That's an interesting combination. And then fourth line, Merkulov, Lauko playing center with Beecher on the wing. I don't mind that. Only if Lysel is going to play this season, he better be hitting the gym 24 seven and drinking <laughs> an entire bottle of whey protein. Like I feel you, like he could, he's gotta uh, get off. I feel like another year in Providence would be great for his development. Yes. Um, and then on the, on defensively, he has Lorai and McAvoy as his first combo Lindholm and Carlo as a second pairing and Zaboral and Clifton. I don't want to see Zaboral. I dude. think that third pairing could be a house of horrors. <laughs> Zaboral <laughs> and Clifton getting hey, trapped in the defensive zone will haunt me in my nightmares. Hey, if that becomes the the third defensive pairing for the team, Cliffy Hockey is a hundred percent back. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They did say Lorai and McAvoy together, though. Do you what do you think about Lorai being a top line pairing? And and if if he is to play minutes next year, who do you think his partner is? If he's playing minutes like that, it's definitely McAvoy. But I don't know if I want him on the first pairing. Yeah, no, I think that's a little too bold for his young career. But, but um, I'd be fine with him on the second. And then you go Mark, Mark, you go McAvoy, Lindholm, first pair, Carlo, Lorai, and then. Fuck, I guess it is Clifton and Zaboro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they'll 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 pick up somebody on the on the waiver wire or whatever. Yeah, call it. A- Anton Strawman again. Oh God, no! I won't watch a game of Strawmans in the lineup, dude. <laughs> Coughing the puck up behind the net. Twenty four seven. Um. So yeah, those are our Twitter field questions. So shout out to you guys for participating. Um, hopefully, you know, us going more in depth with it on the show helped out a little bit instead of just going back and forth on Twitter, but let's see here. So making its return tonight is the spinny wheel of mystery. Uh, hang on a second. I need to pull it up here. There we go. Okay. Here we go now. Um, let's see. This is me struggling to try to share my screen. (laughs) So I got to go present. Okay. So here's the wheel. All the numbers of players who have never worn or guys we've already picked, those numbers are off of the wheel. So we will. No more 78. No more 78. (laughs) Um, Hang on one sec. I'm just trying to get the screen back to. Okay. All right. So let's see here. So I'm going to spin the wheel. This is the word. I need to figure out how to do this quicker. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay, there we go. No Seth Griffith. <laughs> 25. 25. All right, so well, the number we got is 25. So 
I'm going to check the list right now. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that's worn the number 25. Is, it, is Brandon Carlo 25? Brandon Carlo is 25. I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody's screaming at me right now. Like, dude, you moron. You idiot. Look, There's actually can, been a ton. I can tell that you're uh, going to Mexico because the ads on your screen are all in Spanish. Are they? Oh, yeah, yeah they look are. from every source. <laughs> That's weird. Um, but yeah, so 25. Um, Brandon Carlo is one of them. So other guys, Max Talbot for the one year he was here, Matt Frazier, Hal oh, Gill, wow. um, Andy Brickley. Hal Gill. Yeah, Andy Brickley wow. wore 25. Was he really? Wow, yep. we, we did we didn't know who wore 25 before we remembered Brennan Carlo. And little did we know we were opening a treasure chest of all these antique names. Yeah, Willie O'Ree uh wore one year. I believe the number 22 is retired for Willie O'Ree. Yep. Because that was his main number. Gary Peters. No one else really. I mean, Kevin Stevens for a year. It's a very it, this number goes around the locker room, like COVID. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we can we can touch on a couple of these guys. I mean, Brandon Carlo, twenty six years old. He's been with the team, you know, for uh, seven years. Solid defensive back there. You got anything to say on Carlo? Um, no, I mean, I love Brendan Carlo and it really bothered me this through the course of this year, how a lot of people were saying that he should be traded. And, uh, I think the biggest thing for Brendan Carlo moving forward is staying healthy. I know he's had, I think he's had seven concussions for a 26 year old guy is quite concerning, but when he's on, he's on. And he was without a doubt, the Bruins best defenseman in the playoffs. Um, I just wish, I know that we've said before that he needs to use his, his body more. He needs to hit people more. And then he responded by being like, what was he like top three on the Bruins this year in hits? Mm -hmm. Um, but I still would like to see another another element of physical hockey to his game, whether it be just manhandling guys in front of the net or just rubbing guys out on the boards. Because even though, I mean, I was surprised. Like Connor Clifton, I was not surprised to hear that he led the Bruins or he was second on the Bruins in hits because that guy is blowing somebody up every game. And he's like five foot 10, 140 pounds soaking wet. And here you have Brandon Carlo, who's like six foot six, a mammoth of a man. And I was honestly shocked to hear that he was third on the Bruins in hits. So the biggest thing for me moving forward for Brandon Carlo is being more physical, bullying people in front of the net, but most importantly, staying healthy because he's a core member of this team and he's a core defensive player of this team. And players like that, you don't trade even though I know a lot of people were being in the drums saying that they should trade them different points for this year. Also the Bruins um, union player rep, player union rep. However Whoa! You Whoa. Yeah, well, now he can't go. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's stuck. Yeah. Um, but other guys, I mean, Hal Gill, Andy Brickley. Andy Brickley, obviously. I mean, he's – I feel like he's just like – he's a legend, dude. He he's is. A legend. And – I think he's hit. He's he's the point of his career now, where he is so much more known as Andy Brickley, Jack Edwards' sidekick, the man in the booth, than he is Andy Brickley, the hockey player. Um, but Andy Brickley is he is so another guy who is so ingrained in the culture of the Bruins. I don't remember the last time I turned on a Bruins game in Nesson, and it was not both Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley. He is huge for this team. I don't mean to cut you off, but legit, I don't think either of them have ever missed a game. Like, do That's they not what I was thinking. And it's like, so weird because, like, you look at, like, old – like, if you if you, you can be like, oh, like, 2009, uh, first-round playoff, Bruins versus who? And it's Andy Brickley and Jack Edwards, and Andy and Brick's there with, like, his 
jet black spiked up hair and he's got yeah. his suit on and like you look at him now and he's got his you know his salt and pepper hair and he's rolling his eyes every time jack flubs on whatever he's trying to say <laughs> and it's it's like it's just i don't know like it feels like they're friends like you've been watching him through the tv for so long and it's like I, it, like, like, I think a lot of us have been talking about Jack Edwards because of you know the last four years or so we've seen a, a a decline in his abilities, and like I think the end is coming for Jack Edwards calling games in the booth for Nesson, and I think because the focus has been so much on Jack Edwards, like people are forgetting about Andy Brickley. Like if the Bruins were to lose Andy Brickley too, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. I can't even I can't picture like the way that Brick is just so blunt sometimes and the way that like like Jack Edwards will be like, ah, oh, like, what are you doing? Like he's he's just two handed, you know, Carlo on the back of the legs. And Brick's like, well, you know, I mean, Carlo just stepped on his hand. Like, yeah, obviously, like the way that he's just like, shut up, Jack. Like, like you're being biased. I love it. No, dude, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was about two hours ago watching a highlight on YouTube. It was it was a, a line brawl between the Thrashers and the Bruins. And this guy, Meyer, hits Lucic up pretty high. Right. But. Jack Edwards is flipping out. He's like, Meyer hit him in the head. That's the principal point of contact. This is exactly what they're trying to get rid of in the game today. And then there's like three, four, five seconds of silence. And Brick goes, well, you know, Jack, he he is like six inches smaller. So, <laughs> so, the, so the principal point of contact, you know, that's just naturally physics, you know, this is how it's going to go. And then Jack goes, well, Brick, uh, you know, I think you're right on this one. I may have overreacted. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, like you're not going to get that. It's such a staple. Yeah, the there, there's there's no Jack Edwards without Annie Brickley and there is no Annie Brickley without Jack Edwards. And like I like I really am starting to think if Jack Edwards leaves the booth, I think Annie Brickley might go with him because I just really? I, 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 I can't picture listening to I, I wouldn't if I were Annie Brickley, I would not be able to call games every single night with somebody else when you've been doing it with the same person for two decades. Yeah. And Andy Brickley's no young, he's no spry chicken either. I mean, he's getting up there in age <laughs> too. I mean, he might want to hang out with a family as well, but I yeah, love Andy on. Brickley. Everybody's talking about Bergeron and Krejci retiring. We, why, why isn't anyone talking about Brick and Jack? Yeah, dude. Gone too. Classic Bergeron and Krejci just stealing the limelight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, that was our big lottery spinny wheel of mystery. Wait, unless you wanted to go in. I can't believe you just jumped over Hal Gill like that. You want to you dive into Hal? I love Hal Gill. I used to love him because he was tall as shit. And I used to go to uh, Children's World in my town when I was, you know, in elementary school. And the receptionist who worked at the front desk, her, I believe it was her brother-in-law was Hal Gill or her cousin was Hal Gill. Like she was straight up like family with Hal Gill. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I also loved his name because that is Hal Gill is the most ridiculous name for a, mammoth, <laughs> for a mammoth of a man that I've ever seen in my entire life. Whenever I hear the name Hal Gill, I think of like a, a whale shark or something. He's, yeah. just, he's just this big guy with these heavy feet just skating around the defensive zone. Dude, he's like he's like Manny from Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> how tall How tall was Hal Gill? I want to look that up. Hal Gill was 6'7", 243 pounds. I was gonna say he was the original giant before uh, before Chara came along, dude. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was huge. uh, He spent eight years in Boston, 626 career games. He had 20 goals, 97 points. Um, He was 588 penalty minutes. Holy shit, he played... he played over 1,100 games in the NHL. Yeah. And he had 36 career goals. Yeah. <laughs> 1,100 games. He played over 620 <laughs> games with the Bruins, and he scored 20 times. That, oh. is the, that is the most ridiculous stat line I've ever heard in my entire life. Dude, that's the most Hal Gill stat line ever. And every single goal he scored in his entire career was on was even strength. <laughs> Never, dude. Hal Gill on the power play. You might as well just honestly, if he's on the power play, stick him in front. Just let him screen the goalie. He also took one face off in 2010, 2011 with Montreal and lost it. So he has the lowest career face off win percentage in NHL history. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but hey, yeah. So this is kind of bringing us to the end of the show. Um, uh, you know, hey, we're, this Thursday, every Thursday night, me, Mel, and our friend Connor, we play EASHL, NHL 23. We stream live on Twitch. Um, if you want to have alerts for that, go on to Twitch and look up the account. It's at Something's Brewing. Um, at Something's Brewing Podcast. Okay, I thought there was – I thought podcast was at the end yeah, of the Yeah, I always forget myself. There's so many different things that we have an account on, and they're all under a different <laughs> – Different ad, it confuses me. It's a recipe for success. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so we stream every Thursday night at 8.30. Our team's nasty. We recently went on a stretch of 8-0, and moving up a division. And then the other night, too, I think we went 5-1-1. One, and one. So Listen, the, the boys are rolling right now. I just want to say, we had an old EASHL team. We were called the Tumbling Muffins. You might have heard us talk about it before. I if think we were to- if, if you're listening to this and you jumped onto the Tumble and Muffins Twitch streams, you're, you're a real OG. Yeah, you're oh, yeah. OG. I think we might have played like a total of maybe <laughs> maybe 30 games with the Tumble and Muffins. And we were like – So bad. Let me do some quick math <laughs> right real quick. We had like eight wins. We were like yeah. eight and 22 or something. Like we sucked. So and then bad. we And then we started a new team and it started off – we started off – the the night the first night we played I think we we were like three and four or something like that no we, dude we were we were three and six either three and six or three and five either way we had a negative record but like yeah. every one of our losses was by like one goal except for the one game we got mercyed and then we played again and we ripped off like an eight game winning streak and then we played again and we went like one and three and then we played again and we went like five and one the other night I don't know yeah. what happened to us it's like somebody came in and like put some put something in our water because suddenly we're like nhl superstars i don't know what the hell's <laughs> going on but that's yeah. i that's a good stream we always have people from bng join i know mark's joined boozy brett joined the guys from only bruins have joined we've had some other people tune in as well and it's fun people are commenting we're chatting with people and and lately we've been picking up some dubs so it's been a good time that's every thursday night at 8 30 you can catch us this thursday streaming as well yeah Yep. So it's going to be a great time. Come join. Uh, We'll put the link out on Twitter too when we do uh, end up going live. But hey, um, yeah, thank you guys all for listening to episode 45 of the Something's Brewing podcast. I just want to remind everybody that we are brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. You can follow our YouTube at Something's Brewing. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Until then, 
We will see you on the stream Thursday night and we'll catch you on the pod waves next week. Bye. That TikTok was so funny with Aaron Dude. Boone. The, the camera just <laughs> down, and he's just sitting here like this on the I floor. Thought, I don't know why. As soon as I saw that, I was like, "Dude, this would kill Sully if I saw it." I was, dude. I, I, I'm the worst because I saw it. I clicked on it like right away, and I was dying. And I just, I immediately copied it and just sent it to Zach. I was so dead. It's like this super slow zoom out when he's just talking and you could see it shows the face of the guy who's interviewing him. And he was like, like he was trying so hard. Dude, the guy on the right side, as soon as he saw the camera, cause, cause the guy on the right saw it first. And then the guy on the left saw it. The guy on the right was like, he saw his eyes get like wider. And then, (laughs) and then he had to like, kind of like, just like position himself in a, in a way not to laugh. And then the guy who was asking the question, he was halfway through his question. He looked up and he's, cause I was thinking in his position, like you're looking at this guy's screen. It's just his shoulders in his face. And then you look down at your question and then you look back up and he's just crisscross applesauce on the floor. <laughs> it's actually so ridiculous when you take every, like this is the, the manager of the New York Yankees doing an interview, sitting on the ground of his office, sitting crisscross applesauce. (laughs) And And it's the way that the camera panned, like, down. Like, it was so slow. And how did he not notice? It's, like, the same vibes as, like, your little brother who plays Minecraft sitting, like, three inches in front of the screen it's the same shit it's just, was, yes it's the dude. exact same oh thing my god it's hang on i gotta go watch that again yeah. real quickly yeah dude working counts and getting into the hitters uh counts especially like recently but that seems like <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> you see them? You the guy on the right is priceless. It's it, so wide. And then it slowly zooms back into his face. <laughs> like, why did it do that? It was so smooth. Oh my god, that's too funny.